good to see you this morning. Uh, I was thinking when we were singing that last song about the goodness of God, uh, I was thinking about the time he was teaching and he was talking about if you had 100 sheep and 99 were in the fold and one was away, uh, the shepherd would leave and go get the one that's away, you know, and that's just his position today. Uh, and it's comforting to know that we can't outrun him. You do understand that, right? You can run away from God, but you can't outrun him. You know, he's just going to keep pursuing you. So I would say surrender today, huh? <laughs> just surrender to him. I love seeing you in person. Uh, this has been much better. I'm adjusted to the mask. Uh, I can't tell whether you're good to see me because I don't know if you're smiling behind the mask, but it's, it's good to see you today and it's good to be in this room. God has done a lot of good things in this room over the years. And uh, there is more to come. So um, today we'll continue this teaching series called uh, A New Normal, uh, which is what we're into right now, every one of us in our life. Week one, we opened up with new challenges, and we said, don't let the virus have the final say. Uh, if God has led us to the virus, he will lead us through the virus. And the verse that has been like one of my life verses is, uh, what is his strategy? God's strategy is this, from Deuteronomy 7.22, uh, I will help you little by little. I mean, I want him to give me the whole picture, don't you? Why would you wait, God, four months if you could do this all at once right now? But his strategy tends to be just little by little. Week two, it was a uh, new rhythm. And uh, the question was, am I in sync with God? Because this virus and just life can knock us out of sync with God. I know for myself, and maybe you identify with this, here's what knocks me out of rhythm with God. You ready? Hurry. Hurry. Just being busy and, and, and just being hurried all the time. Corey Ten Boom said this, if saint can't make a sin... He'll make us busy. Yes. So week three, Pastor Brian talked about the challenge of new priorities. Uh, pray for him this week. He's in Medina this morning preaching that same message out there. But he said there are three priorities we need to keep in our life. One is to love God. One is to love others. And then to love ourselves. And so last week, it was a new perspective. And uh, I love it because we were talking about the rich young guy who came to Jesus. And he kept all the commandments and he gathered a lot of wealth. And yet he still wasn't satisfied, uh, even though he had everything, you know, because you could have everything and still not be satisfied. And um, so the key point of that message last time, I thought, was Andy Stanley's quote, don't make the mistake of believing that every resource that comes to us is for our consumption alone. You know, chances are if God has given you uh, to you, it's so you can also share it with other people. So today we're going to talk about a new opportunity, and the key question is this. Could this be a season of opportunity in spite of the obstacles? See, I think that obstacles tend to make us want to surround and just protect and play it safe. But could this be a chance for opportunities? See, I believe it's possible with everything that's within me to grow during a pandemic. And today we'll have an opportunity to identify an area of growth. It could be in a relationship or maybe in a career or a bad habit. We're going to give an opportunity to grow. And so this is the key thing about uh, change and growth. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Change is inevitable. But growth is optional. Growth is not automatic. Growth just doesn't happen. It, we don't drift towards growth. We drift towards complacency. So if we're not intentional about preparing for growth, we're unintentionally preparing for declines. So I just want to push the envelope today. Uh, I uh, am a creature of habit. How about you? Uh, just for your personal information about me, 
I always put my left sock on first. Aren't you so glad you know that now? I always put my socks on before I put my pants on. I always watch a little bit of sports before I go to bed at night. I always bring coffee and water, okay, and a sweet into my office before I begin my day. It's just habit for me. Uh, but there's a difference between a habit and a rut. A habit can be a, a positive pattern that we put into our life, and a, ruts tend to be negative patterns that can drag us down. Habits can bring consistency. Like I, I put my keys and my phone in the same place on my dresser every night. Like if I get up the next morning and they're not there, I'm in trouble for like, it's a bad start to my day. Uh, habits bring consistency, but ruts can cause us to be inconsistent and even paralyze us. Habits nurture growth and ruts tend to limit growth. Famous words, right? Famous words of a, a person that's leveled off or declined as a person or even a church. Um, and here it is. We have never done it that way before. Well, yeah. You know, because... Change is inevitable. So as we look at this, we can get stuck in a rut. We can get stuck in a relational rut. We can get stuck in a bad habit or sin rut. We can get stuck in a grief rut. We can get stuck in a rut with God in our lives. Until we begin to think that I would love to change, but I can't right now. And if anything I'd like to do is just to rock that thought. And, and just to challenge that thought. So I remember in the first church I pastored, uh, we built a new building, and it came time to backfill the building. And my friend Kim was running the machine, and he was pushing dirt against the, the building, but it rained. And so it was just muddy, and like, I'm talking like pudding-type mud. And so when we got around the gas pipes, we looked at each other and said, it'd be a good idea if we shovel this. And so we got a shovel, got on our big yellow boots. Have you seen these yellow work boots before? Yeah, those boots. You know, and so we stepped into the mud, you know, and I was 5'7 and about 165 pounds, and Kim was about 6'1 and about 260. And we stepped near that gas pipe into the sloppy mud, and we began to sink, you know. And so I could crawl out kind of, but Kim sank up into his knees, right? That meant that the mud went over the top of his boots, and he was stuck. And I was sitting on the, the porch of the church, handing him at the end of a shovel, trying to pull him out of the mud. And so finally he looked at me and he said, I got to leave my boots because the mud was filling him up. And so sure enough, he slid out of his boots. And to this day, at Amherst Church of the Nazarene on North French Road, near those gas pipes, buried beneath the ground is a pair of those yellow Boots. I was thinking that's the principle. In order for us to get unstuck out of a rut in our life, chances are we're going to have to leave something behind. So could this be the season when that begins to happen? Uh, what would it take? What would it take to get us moving again? Next week we enter a new series called Back to the Basics because I think the virus and everything we've had to adjust to has rocked our world as far as the norms that we had set up spiritually before this thing hit. And I'm praying that over the next month this will begin to normalize things again in a new normal. What do we need to change or leave behind? So before we get into those things, how about three common motivators of change in our life uh, that can lead us from obstacles to opportunities? The first one is pain. Pain can come 
in a variety of ways, but it can lead to change. You know, it could be a crisis in our life, like health issues or catastrophe, like losing a job or a confrontation in a relationship, uh, all leading to some need for something to change. And so I put this in the notes, right? We don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. Isn't that true? We change when we feel the heat. Seeing the light, right? When you're looking at change, it may not be one more spiritual truth that pushes you towards a change. No, feeling the heat. It's when life gets unbearable that we are open to change. I I love this quote. It's, uh, we may not change until the fear of change exceeded by our pain. We may not change until the fear of change is exceeded by our pain. So just a poll this morning for those of us in the room. How many of you like to go to the dentist? Would you just raise your hand? That's what I thought. But just so I know who I'm with this morning, are there any pro-Novocaine people in the room today? Yeah, I'm all, just shoot me up, you know. And so, like, I got this tooth back here that um, a filling fell out of. Uh, and uh, I, I haven't got it fixed yet. You know, I knew I was preaching this message, so I did call the dentist this week. But the, 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 the filling fell out like two weeks ago. But can I tell you why I didn't call the dentist? I had a root canal on the tooth, and I don't have any pain. You know, so that wasn't a motivator for me to get it repaired. By the way, if I would recommend you call right away. I called our dentist this week. I can't get it fixed till September 28th, huh? Because they, you know what question they asked me? Are you in pain? I should have said yes. You know, I'd, I'd be in tomorrow, you know. But uh, uh, second motivator for change, not only pain, but pressure. Pressure. Uh, when the doctor says lose 50 pounds or die. When the boss says improve your performance or you're going to be fired. See, the problem with pressure as a motivator is it usually doesn't last. When the pressure subsides, sometimes the motivation for the change subsides also. Does that make sense? So 9-11 happens, you know, uh, a while ago. And pressure was applied to our nation. And patriotism was rekindled. Flags were flying everywhere. And songs like, I'm proud to be an American, were created. Community was rekindled as neighbors began to look out for neighbors. And spiritual fire was rekindled because that Sunday after 9-11, churches were full as people began to seek God at that time of crisis. You know why? Because the threat of terrorism had finally hit the shores of the United States of America. But you know what happened? When the pressure and the threat of terrorism subsided, churches were empty again, huh? And so this is, my, this is my counsel to you, that if a change is made when pressure is there, then, then keep the change in place even after the pressure kind of rescinds. Third, third common motivator of change is perspective. Perspective. When we begin to see the big picture, when we're inspired to a new vision, move to a new purpose, when we realize we're wasting our potential, when we realize it doesn't have to stay the way it is, That is an eye-opening moment when our perspective changes. So one day Jesus walked into the temple and he took the scroll from the attendant. And Luke records what he read from the Old Testament. 
He read this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were on him. And he began by saying to them, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And hope spread across the sanctuary. And hope began to spread across Jerusalem. And hope has begun to spread across the centuries, all the way down to us in our world, in our situations. Because he was that hope. So this is what I want to do, right? I want to just look at one story in which that prophecy came true in, in a person's interaction with Jesus. And I'm going to break this story down into pieces and then just give some tips along the way. So four tips or steps to a breakthrough. The first one is this, take responsibility for the change. So let me read again the intro to the story. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which is in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. You get the picture? It's like this big pool, and it has five columns around it, and there's some covering over the columns. And around the edge of the pool were the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. It was believed that if they got there and they got close to the edge of the pool, that the angel of the Lord would stir the waters. And if they were the first one into the water, they would be healed. I mean, healing only took place at a certain time, in a certain place, in a certain way. Now... It wasn't a fact, but it was believed by the people. And there was this guy who was an invalid who'd been coming for 38 years. Can you imagine that, by the way? 38 years coming to the pool, 38 years going home without being healed. He believed that if he stuck with the pattern, he would get healed. And for a long time, he kept coming, but he never got into the water. But this day, a drastic change took place in the guy's life. Because he assumed responsibility for his life. Jesus evaluates his story and asked him a critical question. Here it is. You ready? Do you want to get well? I remember when I first heard those words and began to apply them to my own life. It was like, when nobody ever asked me that question, Jesus, I just thought this is the way it was. Have you ever been there? I mean, we're wrestling with a life issue, a bad habit, a relationship, a work decision, a money problem, or a faith issue. And Jesus intersects us with a message like this scripture from a person or, you know, something from the Bible that we read or maybe a story that we heard. And Jesus asks us the question, do you want to get well? Would you, would you like this to be a life-changing moment? In your life. See, this guy had reasons he couldn't get well, and he gave them to Jesus. I can't get well because no one will help me in. I can't get well because somebody always beats me into the pool. But this day, he interacts with someone who could change everything. And his name was Jesus. So we take responsibility for the change. The next thing is we've got to clarify what we want. Clarify what we want. He made it clear to Jesus that he wanted to get well, and he wanted help. 
I'll continue reading. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Well, I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. Someone said this, and you've heard it before, that change is hard. Yes? I remember when I read that the first time, I said, well, duh. <laughs> I wanted to add to it. Yes, it is, but it's not impossible, and it's worth it. Half the battle of getting change in our life is knowing what it is that we want. So two clarifying questions, right, as we're thinking about something we want to change in our life this morning. Do you know what you want? If you could write it down in one word, what would be the change that you would like to see come to your life? And the second thing is, how bad do you want it? Jesus just put them together in one question when he looked at the guy and said, do you want to get well? I found this to be true. Is this true for you? That if we want something bad enough, we usually find a way to get it. True? Yeah, true? You know, and I can think that about my life. I was wanting to improve my golf game. And I thought the ticket was ping golf clubs. And so they had a sale at Golf Galaxy. And I'm thinking, this is the day I knocked five strokes off my game. I'm just telling you today, ping was not the answer, all right? I need other help. Third thing is this, don't wait for ideal circumstances. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me to um, get into the water. Uh, when the water stirred, well, I'm trying. Someone else gets in ahead of me. He thought healing could only come one way, at the right time, at the right place, at the right method. When we know what needs to change, it can mess us up, listen close, if we wait for ideal circumstances. You know what happens when we're waiting for ideal circumstances? We develop a disease that I call someday sickness. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get to that change when I'm married. I'm going to get to that change when I have a house. I'm going to get to that change when I have kids. And someday turns into no day. I mean, Nike had it right. They had the cure for Sunday sickness a while ago when their tagline was, just do it. Just do it. Step into the change. Solomon said it this way. If you wait for perfect conditions, ah. <laughs> don't you love the Bible, by the way? I mean, he wrote this thousands of years ago. This is so true. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. So I remember a while back, there was this couple that um, attended our church, and the lady uh, had attended our first church in Amherst, and um, I married them, and uh, pretty soon he started coming to church with his wife, and um, she was a follower of Jesus, and he would come and he would listen, you know, and then he had this thing at the end of church every week that he was here, he would look at me and say, someday we got to talk. I said, just let me know. And then he'd come like two weeks later and say, hey, Someday we got to talk. And I said, okay, just let me know. And then he came one day and he said, someday we got to talk. And I said, well, let's talk right now. And I looked at his wife and I said, you got time for us to talk, don't you? And she knew I was going to talk to him about Jesus. She said, I got all day. <laughs> you know, I got all day. And so this poor guy, the look on his face, because that had worked before. And so we went into my office and um, that day um, uh, he committed his life to follow Jesus. 
committed his life to follow Jesus. He was a tough guy. He was an ex-Buffalo firefighter. And he, he, he had lived his life thinking he could control every part of it. Well, that day Jesus broke into his life and everything changed. It changed him as a person. It changed him in marriage. And, um, and we still are in contact with them. They moved to Florida, but every two months or so we will talk. And he'll text me and he'll say, he'll refer to that day 10 years later to this day when he surrendered his heart to Jesus and said, I'm going to be a Christ follower. Yeah, we don't wait for the ideal circumstances. Joshua said this, Joshua said, choose this day who you will serve. Jesus said, now is the day of salvation. And I would say, today is the day of change if you seize the moment. And so the last thing is this, that we have to believe that we can change. We have to stop saying, I can't. Because if you think you can't, you won't. And we have to start saying, with Jesus, I think I can. Now, there's a scripture. If you look at this, this story later in John chapter 5, there's a, there's a part of the story that's left out. Can I tell you what it was? There had to be something that took place between Jesus' invitation, do you want to get well, and the healing that took place in this guy's life. And uh, it's unspoken. It's not written there. I don't know how it was taking place, but he answered the question for Jesus. I want to go get well. I don't know if it was in the eye contact that they made, if he nodded his head, or if he spoke to words to Jesus. I don't know what took place, but something took place in which he said, yeah, I want to get well. Listen close. Faith is always the initial step to healing. It always was. It always is. And it always will be. The man said to him, then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Can you imagine this? 38 years. 38 years. And all of a sudden he stands up, picks up his mat. And at once the man was cured, picked up his mat and he walked away. I'm thinking, can you imagine the folks that were around there that day that knew him? Their, their jaw had to drop as they saw this change in his life. So there was this uh, balloon salesman in New York City, and he would sell helium balloons on the streets of Manhattan. And uh, if it was a downtime, he would draw pictures of different professions on the balloon, a lawyer, a cook, a bus driver. And he would draw the picture on the balloon and then he would put it in the air and let it go. It was marketing 101. Well, this one day when he was selling balloons, there was a little girl who watched him fill helium balloons up with different professions and let them go and they would fly. And she tugged on his pant leg and she, she said, Mr. She said, if, if you drew a picture of a little girl on that balloon, would it fly like those balloons? He took a balloon, popped it on the helium, put a string on it, handed it to the little girl, and he said, let it go. And she looked up at the sky, and together they watched as they, this balloon with a little girl on it took off. And then he just held her close, and he whispered in her ear, it's not what's on the outside that counts. 
It's what's on the inside. That's the difference. And I tell you today that people change when they hurt enough that they have to, when they learn enough that they want to, and they receive enough that they're able to. If God has called me to anything, it's to lift up Jesus, who came to preach the good news, who came to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, who came to re proclaim recover of sight to the blind and release for the oppressed. And I tell you today that that change can happen in our life. So I ask you, what change have you been postponing? I mean, could this not be that during the middle of a pandemic, he does some of the greatest change in our life that he's been waiting to do for a while. Why not let him today? Why not let today be your day? Name one area of your life that needs change. It could be a bad habit or a sin or a money issue or a relationship issue or a spiritual issue. Jesus would ask all of us today the same question. Do you want to get well? Yes or no? Would you like my touch in your life? Because I've found this to be true. That some of the things he's helped me overcome in my life, I could not have done on my own. It wasn't until he came alongside and added his touch today, amen? So I just want to leave you some time. We got time, right? Where are you going to go today? Nowhere. <laughs> so how about if we just spend some time quietly in prayer? And uh, the music was so good today, just in focusing our attention. And I pray the message has been too, but I just don't want to rush past this moment. I don't. And so take time to be with Jesus and just pray and talk to him about your life, would you? Thanks. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence in this room. I mean, I love the lights. I love stuff on the screen. I love the music and love the band and all the technology we have. But most of all, Lord, I love your presence in this room. And I thank you for being here and meeting with us and for directing our life individually. Help us execute what you call us to with your help. In Jesus' name and God's people said, amen.